check it out. Hi everyone, my name is Lee and in today's episode I'm really excited to be speaking with the fabulous Wayne Herbert. All about life, work, growing up in Grafton and um, fidget spinners. Check it out. LGBTIQ health, lifestyle and community news. Check it out. Is brought to you by the AIDS Action Council. From Canberra. For everyone. Today I'm speaking with Wayne Herbert, who is the Deputy Director of People and Planning at LEAD, a disability employment organisation helping people from all walks of life with disability into the workforce. Wayne Herbert, welcome. Hi Lee, it's great to be here. I'm excited. Don't get nervous, Lee. I'm trying not to, (laughs) because it's Wayne Herbert. Oh! Now, I haven't been in Canberra for very long. You've been here for a bit longer. Yeah, for about since 2009 now. I think I'm a local. I don't know what qualifies you as a local, but I think that's long enough. Best years of my life. So I want to know a little bit of history. Mm. Now, don't blush. Look, there's not many things that make me blush, but having a microphone right in my face does. I'm just Wayne, doll, just Wayne. (laughs) But you are known quite well around the traps. You do get involved with lots of stuff around Canberra. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how about we pretend that we're doing like, this is your life. And instead of me reading it out of a book, you're going to tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Grafton. I spent most of my life in Grafton. My parents um, are both forestry workers and I have two younger brothers. I'm the eldest, but I say I look the youngest. A really close, supportive family. It was generally pretty nice. Now tell us about the festival that happens in Grafton. Yeah, so Grafton is famous for many things. Most of all, um, I think think the listeners to the podcast would know about the Jacaranda Festival. So every year um, the city turns purple, which happens to be my favourite colour. And so one year I decided that there were times in the country where I felt um, particularly vulnerable, but in the family home I was always told, Wayne, go out in the world and do whatever you want to do and be whoever you want to be and, and don't apologise for that. And so I thought, what better way to shine a light on some of the issues facing particularly people in country areas or members of the LGBTIQ community in country areas than enter a beauty pageant which I famously did. Um, What year? So that was in, now you're testing my memory, Lee, and I'm going to show my age because I'm getting old. So that was in about 2002, 2003. It made headlines at home. It made headlines in other parts of the media at the time. And I think it was just my way of going, actually... I belong here and this will be something fun. I think it was received quite well by the community, but famously I left the competition soon after entering, which was my decision. Um, Why? (laughs) Well, what I didn't realise was that the Jacaranda Festival generates a lot of tourism income. So the money that the entrants raise goes back into funding future festivals and what I had said in the media is that I would like to enter and I'm going to be the first jacaranda queen but I'm going to donate the money that I raise 
back to charities. Like at the time I said I was going to donate money to Camp Quality and to the Bobby Goldsmith Foundation. So you said this publicly? I said this publicly and then was advised that it was against the rules. Then the following day in national media was would-be queen, took orb and went home. (laughs) And according to the media, I chucked the most, you know... um, you chucked um, a hissy fit. I chucked a hissy fit. Absolutely, that was but their did description. You? Did you no, actually? No, I left quietly. I left quietly. But I think it was it was the first time that I think people had actually recognised that indeed, because there were times where I felt like you can have a great circle of friends, which indeed I do, and you can have a very supportive family, but you can feel at times extraordinarily vulnerable. And I didn't always like that feeling Mm. because I was always taught to be confident in who I was and, you know, to to go out into the world and be brave and be bold and, you know, do these things. I'm not sure how my parents would describe me appearing on the front page of papers because I want to enter a beauty pageant. But um, Were they supportive? (laughs) <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think that um, I think Mum and Dad know that it's important for me to. For me, it wasn't a, a purely about me, but it was about drawing attention to the fact that members of the LGBTIQ community live in these country areas and really need the visibility and support of their community, not just. Uh, uh, and of course, services and supports outside of that are very essential. But I, I wanted the visibility to go beyond. That. That, and I thought this was a, a pretty unique way to do that. Um, it's a pretty bloody brave thing to do. <laughs> um, but, and, but when I say brave, lots of people tell us we're brave. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm not brave. No. I'm scared shitless of a lot of things. Did you have any peers at the time, any networks of friends that sort of could mitigate that feeling of isolation and being the different one in town? Yeah, because when I when I um I guess when I decided to to talk about issues facing particularly the LGBTIQ community, there were many other people, and I knew that I knew because I had other friends that were part of my community as well, um, and so when I was you know, in the paper or, or doing something. I did have other people say to me, oh, that's great, you know, so I felt that sense of support. And even from my, my close circle of friends who would go, oh, bloody hell, Wayne, what have you done now? Mm. Like, what are you doing? Because they knew, I guess they could see some of the, ex- and they've witnessed firsthand some of those experiences I've had. For the longest time, I thought my experience in my family was extremely supportive. But outside of my family home, my experience was vastly different. And so, you know, I faced, uh, you know, acts of discrimination, violence, intimidation, homophobia. And so for the longest time, I really struggled uh, with my parents around, why are you giving me one message about being true to my identity and, and doing all the things that are true to me? But once I leave the family home, my experience is vastly different. I'm being spat at, I'm being bashed, I'm being physically assaulted, I'm being verbally assaulted. And so for the longest time, I struggled with balancing that vulnerability with I don't like to consider it bravery, but that honesty in who mm. I was or authenticity. Mm. Um, 
I think I could perhaps have been more vulnerable at times and more honest with the things that I was experiencing as a young person. So, Wayne, there was an amazing series that was aired earlier this year called Employable Me. And it's about uh, people with disabilities Mm. who are looking for employment. You work for LEAD, which is a marvellous organisation here in Canberra. Thank you. I want to get your two cents worth on this program. Yes. I mean, number one, is it an accurate depiction of disability and employment? I I think it's fantastic. I think it's been very well received and I think it is an extremely accurate reflection of just the transformative difference that meaningful employment can make to people's lives. And in particular, as you say, Employable Me follows the story of a number of people with disability and their their own unique experience in trying to enter employment. I think it's it's great to see the work that organisations like the one that I have the privilege to work for, but many around the country do, in drawing out the skills and talents of people with disability and highlighting how uh, meaningful employment can actually result in a really transformative difference for somebody. Yeah, so it's very accurate and there's work like that happening around the country every day and I think it's really exciting because not only um, has it put uh, some uh, very worthy attention on employing people with disability around the country, I think it's actually shown that with the right support everybody can work given the opportunity and given the right support that everybody can work and and that's a good thing because it's a very human experience it's a human need to work yes so absolutely if, if you're ready to prepare to love to work and you're unable to that's a huge gap in one's life. Absolutely. And I think it's really important and really essential that everybody, um, I fundamentally believe personally that everybody can work with the right support. But I think it's also important to to recognise that some people may need some support, assistance and guidance along the way. And I think this show has been really great in highlighting how that support works and, and what that support can do to really change somebody's experience because we know that people with disability and indeed other minority groups also um, in Australia and indeed around the world are shut out of our labour market disproportionately high at higher rates than other parts of our population. It's interesting, isn't it, how an employer will overlook somebody for a really obvious reason to them why they shouldn't employ them, but what they're not seeing is the potential for this person to be a tremendously valuable part of their organisation. If they could only just look past this thing that they don't quite understand. I think I think it's of mutual benefit. I think the show's really of mutual benefit because it's shown the community that it can work and it does work and that there are indeed people with disability every day doing what everybody else does, going to work, earning a living, you know, doing all of the things that we all typically expect to do and have the right to do. But certainly it's highlighting the importance of that support, which I think is an essential element to um, the work that I do in my professional life in terms of providing that ongoing support to someone 
to not only get them a job, which is one piece of the work, but also to provide that ongoing support to the person and to our essential partners, the employer, to ensure that things run smoothly. And I think, uh, and I've seen over many years, and I've been in the sector over a decade now, just the difference that that makes to the culture of an organisation for everybody. And sometimes I think, um, yes, it can be that we have those very subtle biases, unconscious bias, or perhaps misunderstanding and misinformation. And I think shows like Employable Me are, are a really good way of opening up the conversation. And it's certainly it's been broadly very well received in the community and I'm hearing great things about it. So, you know, um, watch out for series two, I say. So you mentioned that the work that you do does have the potential to change the culture within a workplace, yes. within, within an organisation. If we bring that back to LGBTIQ communities and we here at the Exaction Council, as I'm sure you know, are in the business of trying to change the cultures within an organisation when it comes to inclusive practice. Yes. And with disability, it's also about inclusive practice. Of course, yes. Did you see any correlations where we can pick up on one side or pick up on the other side and prove something? I think it's important that when we look to to be, I mean, we're, we're lucky enough to live in Canberra and we have the aspiration to be... Australia's most LGBTI inclusive city and I think we're doing a lot in the space that that proves we we are indeed that or and we are indeed working on that in many aspects and I think there is a correlation between um, employment being inclusive for the LGBTIQ community because I think visibility of our community matters it's very important to me that somebody can bring their whole self to work And I think organisations that we have the privilege to work with have gone on that journey with us and with our client group that we support. And I think that that's one of the great things that happens is that everybody comes to understand that it is okay to bring your whole self to work. Now tell me a bit about this book. Yep. You wrote a book. You hear lots of people wanting to write a book. <laughs> or you hear about people working on a book. But you actually yeah, finished writing a book. So tell me about that. Well, yeah, I did write a book. I wrote a book um, to share some of the um, experiences that I've had in my life around um, some of the interactions with people. I call it um, my own personal collection of the shit people say to me. Um <laughs> And I did it because I wanted to, I I guess, reshape the conversation we have around minority groups in our country and in our community. So you wrote a book. Yeah. With the title, Anecdotes of a Disabled Gay. Mm. It's a pretty bold kind of title. It it speaks volumes to what you might be reading about. (laughs) Yes, the title is, um, I, I guess it could be, described as bold indeed you have Lee and as host I would never dispute um, how your descriptors um, <laughs> but but it was titled that for a very specific reason to to be provocative in a sense around the use of language sometimes you just have to spell it out yep, right yep mm. and I felt that if my book was in a bookstore amongst you know Nigella's chocolate slice <laughs> cooking with 
Jamie Oliver or um, Mills and Boone, that that mine would be, you know, just sitting there shining and, and people would pick it up and, and that's what I wanted. So I knew I had to go with a provocative title. Because disabled gay, is pr- it's pretty brutal, isn't it? Well, uh, I, I guess... Um, Yes, the language could be could be seen as quite, you know, maybe brash. But but I think I wanted it to be self-explanatory. So I wanted people to know from the moment they saw it what they were getting themselves into, uh, for what of a better description, <laughs> you know. But I I wrote it in such a way that it is a book that people can pick up and put down. So basically, as the title describes, it's a range of anecdotes both well I hope mostly positive but also some of those negative or defining moments in in my life you know as a younger person as an as indeed a 30 something year old now that I just shared in such a way that are around some of the silly things people say that I wanted to give permission to and license to and I wanted to to write the book for that purpose, to say, actually, sometimes people are going to say the wrong thing. Yeah. Sometimes people are not always going to know the right words to say. But you know what? I want to give licence to people to say something rather than say nothing. Mm. Because the times in my life where I've sat in silence and felt that I couldn't say something, or I didn't know how to verbalise how I was feeling, or I was feeling vulnerable and couldn't couldn't communicate that um, to the people that I may have wished to. I wanted to give licence to the people that don't know the necessarily the right words to use and go, isn't it funny the shit people say? Mm. That, that sometimes we say nothing, but then we're so brave to say something like this. <laughs> yes. And, and I... The book's been, to me, an incredible way to give people insight into some of those experiences and, I think, to give people the opportunity to have a conversation around that Mm. and go, oh, shit, yeah, I use that word too and, and, you know, now I kind of understand why it it seems harsh or or it's not necessarily the best way to approach that situation. Or indeed, some people have gone, did that actually happen? (laughs) Is that actually true? Um, So I wanted to kind of say to people that saying those things is okay if you're willing to actually have a conversation and I guess an opportunity to, to learn around that that journey for me and, and perhaps there are people out there who've, who've indeed seen the book, read the book, who can identify with some of those similar experiences and I just wanted people to read it and perhaps, you know, change the way they think mm. about the way we frame people from minority groups, you know, in our community. Your endeavour to find commonalities between people rather than difference mm. is what you said earlier yep. and this isn't yet could be considered uh, a version of that right because when you say the book is the anecdotes of a disabled gay I mean you are articulating which is what is essentially a minority within a minority mm-hmm. so you yep. got a double whammy there yeah and I can't sing so I'm not a triple threat <laughs> 
don't worry. <laughs> but don't boy, worry, can folks. he tap dance. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, I can tap dance out of here like nobody else. So, you know, I could make a fortune. But I think we've all, regardless of where we've been or where we're going or where we are, we've all struggled with language to do with something or someone yep. at some point. Yep. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yep. And I think my experiences are not dissimilar to... to um, they're not the same mm. as, as anybody else, but they're not dissimilar in some ways. So I hope... Um, to me, I hope the book speaks to everybody in in a small way, everybody who reads it. But I also hope the book reaches those people that are still struggling or perhaps haven't met a yeah. member of the LGBTIQ community or a person with disability. And actually, I hope it gives them that sense of permission to laugh and, and, and also an opportunity to learn and discover about about how um, important I think having um, a diverse and inclusive community is and some of the the attitudes that still exist out there and I've just given people permission to laugh at them. So your book, Anecdotes of a Disabled Gay, is a series of short anecdotal sort of stories. Yes. Can you give me one of the perlers? Um, one of the pearlers. Oh, I'd like to think they all are, but um, one that comes immediately to mind is I remember going for a, for a job interview and, um, you know, at a, at a large organisation and they called me to offer me the position and they said to me, oh, Wayne, we noticed on your form you you ticked that you, you had a disability and I was like, yep. And they said, what is it? We didn't see it. And so um, <laughs> my, my anecdote for that is, you know, well, God, my neon sign must be constantly <laughs> failing. Um, so that's the first one that comes to mind. To, to me, I think people, for whatever reason, their, their own experience and their own exposure to things, develop images or, or, you know, w- perceive what something should be or what it should look like. And so um, there's this, there was this level of discomfort in asking the question and I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And um, <laughs> you just said it, like, comes out after midnight yeah. or only when I get wet or... Well, exactly, <laughs> you know, or more so when I'm tired, you know, <laughs> when I've had a hard night. Um, uh, no, but, yeah, people, uh, you know, I can tell the difference between somebody who's coming from a, a space of ignorance and bigotry as opposed to somebody who is coming from a space of genuine inquiry mm. and genuine I don't know but I'd really like to know mm. so that I uh, so that I can be better equipped yeah. with the confidence with the knowledge so you know and I, I think there's a key difference there so yes I you know, agree um, and you know I'm acutely aware of that mm. um, I think LGBTIQ people in general can hopefully can make that distinction also. Yeah, and I think I think um, if we give uh, um, license to people having a conversation, we 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 open opportunities to to help more and more people understand and appreciate some of the significant 
I think, adversities that our LGBTIQ plus elders have had to overcome for us to be uh, and for me to enjoy the opportunities that mm. I do now and to be able to be as visible and be writing and be speaking and doing all the things that I do, I think it's important that we acknowledge that and I think it's important that the community uh, are able to ask those questions to, I think, create an environment where it actually opens up the lines of communication and breaks down those barriers that still exist for people. Okay, so I've got... A flashcard. I've got a flashcard and... I'm um, nervous. I went in search of... Some awkward questions. Did you Google me, Lee? I did. I Googled you. Uh-huh. Um, and so I feel, I have to sort of preface this by saying I feel really uncomfortable <laughs> asking these questions, no. but I will in the yes. name of science. It is. It's in the name of science. And you know what? I accept that, um, you know, I often use um, humour as a way to broach really significant or difficult social issues. It's the way that I think it um, reaches more people. Um, but I think the difficult questions are the best. So the harder, the better, Lee. I okay. Fire away. All right. Question number one mm. from Shirley from Bonnie Doon. And apparently you did a presentation out of Bonnie Doon. I've, uh, I've been to Bonnie Doon. <laughs> <laughs> My and phone she, number's there. Uh, and she asks, is the way you walk a result of too much anal sex? Mm. It's an awful question. <laughs> and I feel really terrible asking it. But Don't, Lee. <laughs> I, I, think, I think when people... Um, so, um, I perhaps I should explain to your listeners, first of all, that I have a... Um, a condition that's called cerebral palsy and as a result of that I walk um, in a unique way um, there's a swagger about you exactly you know it's like do you want some fries with that shake yes I do <laughs> indeed I do um, Shirley you'll be shocked to know that this isn't the first time I've been asked this question um, the two most common ones I get asked is am I drunk or have I had too much anal sex? And I think to myself, um, my first thought Just the, is... The, the oh. very idea of it is ridiculous. But, 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 but have the, you ever started to walk funny as a result of too much anal sex? Monday to Friday, <laughs> um, you know. But I, I think it, it speaks volumes to the fact that that's what people think. Mm. So people might not be brave enough to go, oh you know, um, and ask, you know, Wayne, you know, what's your favourite salad? But, you know, and I'd say a tossed one. <laughs> um, but they'll ask me if I walk the way I do because I've had too much anal sex. So, yes, Shirley, I've had this question before, and no, it's not. I wish it was. Um, it's not from overuse, and perhaps if I had more, um, it might um, it might um, free the limbs up a little bit. Um <laughs> You know, who knows? 
But no, it's as a result of cerebral palsy. I only wish it was from anal sex. You must get an awful lot of questions to do with what you can and can't do. Do uh, you? Um, yes, uh, um, but there's nothing I can't do, Lee, except, except um, what can't I do? Um, I can't drive a car without getting distracted because um, I'm more inclined to... to uh, be worrying about what my hair looks like or what's on the radio so watch out for me on the roads but there is a tendency I think for people to focus on what people like for me I find it incredibly um, frustrating as somebody who you know I, I have a great career I've done all the things that I do I've done things that are typical of every other person nothing I have done in my life is extraordinary is visionary or is incredible it's just that I've done what's typical and for some people that's really hard to imagine and I want I want everybody in the community to go actually you know for people with disability to do what's typical of every other citizen is a good thing mm. and that should be an expectation not an optional extra so yes it's true that I have sex with men and I wish it was with multiple men um, <laughs> you know and I'm happy to take callers after the show but it's it's not. Um, but, and Lee, I've forgotten your question, but I'll just say that um, there is a tendency to focus on what people with disability can't do. And I'm not interested in it. Yeah. I think it's important to acknowledge that, yes, okay, uh, um, and in my experience, there are. There are limitations. I can't walk up 400 stairs. You're an ass is half full kind of guy. You know, but, well, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I like to think of it as completely full, <laughs> um, accommodating. Um, yes, there is this tendency, there is a deficit model in our country. You know, so we have to present the worst case scenario. And yes, for me, some days are really shit. Mm. Some days, you know, I, I experience I experience levels of pain that differ between, you know, one and 24 on any given day, you know. But I want to change the conversation to actually when do people with disability get an opportunity to talk about their talents yeah. and skills? Mm. And I can tell you that my professional work shows me every day that we have amazing people with disability doing jobs that everybody else does. But we do have... Um, an incredible talent pool that employers are missing every day and I hope that, that my contribution is around changing the way we think about that and also acknowledging that we are doing a lot of great things in the space to increase the representation and visibility of people with disability in workplaces all around the country. So you know, having conversations like this means that I hope I make it easier for other people to share aspects about themselves. I mean, I have a tendency to overshare, but I can also be quite guarded and so and and private. So people might be shocked by that and think oh, Wayne Herbert private. Well, they probably don't go hand in hand. But I can probably learn from myself that in actual fact, I probably need to accept that you know. There are times when I, I could um, share different aspects of myself and, and be vulnerable and, and that's okay. 
and sometimes I'm not. And I think that it's important that people acknowledge wherever they are, you know, whoever they are, that we can be bold and we can be brash and we can be confident, but we can also be vulnerable and we can also need support. And I just hope that people know that things get better and that there is support out there and and people can reach out and the community is a strong, resilient one. So you've gone from Jack around a queen to deputy director of of people and planning. Where would you like to go? Where would I like to go next, Lee? Um, to Given that you you know you have a bit of a showbiz streak <laughs> about you, um, do you know what? For me, I think it's um, I, I still think I've got a lot to do. Um, in my work. I'm very fulfilled by my work and I get the opportunity outside of that to do a range of things like this Um, and um, a lot of speaking opportunities. But what's next? Well, I think I need to succeed at my quest to be a reality television star. (laughs) Um, I've had many failed attempts Um, and I say that um, in a way that I think it's really important that we have highly visible role models mm. in our community. And I, I don't don't necessarily consider myself um, a role model, but I'd like to be like to see more people like me visible in the media and, and where you know we've come a long way in my, my short lifetime. Um, So, yeah, I'd like to be on reality TV. Um, I did think about, you know, I could have replaced Bernard Tomic in I'm a Celebrity, (laughs) Get Me Out of Here, Um, but I'm not a celebrity. Um, But I think, for me, it's important to be active and vocal, both socially and politically, and I'll continue to do that, and I'll continue to ask the questions, not just why not, but why can't we be doing more? Because it takes people like you and it takes others to be involved in that conversation to realize its end goal because i i have have had conversations with people about this goal that that andrew barr has of 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 canberra being the most inclusive city and my first question is well how do you gauge that Mm. and i think it's a really important discussion to have about how do we measure mm. that and, and we do in a range of ways I mean I um, I think it's really important that we look at inclusion broadly and how do we include every facet of our community because if we're to in- achieve genuine inclusion that means everybody is participating and engaged and involved to the fullest of their potential and that's the kind of community I want to live in. I believe in Chief Minister Barr's bold vision for Canberra to be the most inclusive city but yes I think we're judged on the way in which we go about that and indeed how do we know we're achieving it. And I think it's through conversations like this and opportunities that I have um, in the media and certainly around the country to go, actually, people are interested in this discussion and people are actually looking to Canberra uh, as, you know, an example of what inclusion means. And I think I think that we're well positioned to achieve that. But I want to achieve full and meaningful inclusion for everybody. And I think that that's a really big task. Um 
But aside from that, I might have um, political aspirations, Lee. Um, I think it's really important that we give people with disability visibility and a voice, um, and I think we can do that both socially and politically. And um, you know, if I can if I can do that, then that would be great as well. I do have a fidget spinner in my mouth. No, I don't need it. But I do carry it with me. Have you heard that? That's the latest butt plug. A butt plug with, with a fidget spinner attached to it. What? So instead of the whirly thing around your top of your hat... Oh, get me one. <laughs> Call someone in Fishwick. Tell them to deliver me one. <laughs> well, my question is, why would, you, why would you have the need to fidget? Well, maybe you want to... <laughs> well, maybe you want to, you know, use the butt plunk and it's just the experience of, you know, <laughs> that that process is completed. Now Ooh. I can sit there and spin it like a kaleidoscope <laughs> fan. My, and also the person wearing the fidget spinner would just be on all fours whilst you're... You're fanning them, really. <laughs> you know. The, well, depending on how... Yes. Vigorously you fidget. <laughs> Do you know? I think there's benefits. I'd give someone a shout-out on social media if they sent me a free one. <laughs> you know. I could do a review. You could. Of the, what's it called? I wonder if it sounded like anything. We could do an actual live review of you oh. and all fours on the desk here. <laughs> it could be like, what's the secret sound, you know? And, and gone are the days where it's like closing the microwave or opening a packet of chips. It's Wayne with the, you know, latest, the, the fidget spinner butt plug going at 100 miles an hour. You know. I wonder if it has a gyroscope kind of quality to it as well, where your ass starts to veer off to one side. I want to know the wind speed you can get up on that. <laughs> you know, because I find the, the <laughs> I find the fidget spinners for your hand, you know, a little small. How big, is, how big do you imagine it would be? I, I'm, I speak with my hands, so I'm, you know, gesturing, mm. you know, because you'd have like, like a windmill, right? So you could create a fucking wind tunnel on that thing. So you're thinking about it in terms of like a Blows propeller on a, yeah. on a friendly yeah. Fokker. Yeah. Forget your jet star, I'm on the fidget butt plug. <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking with you this afternoon. We've had a blast. I hope you'll come back and do more. Of course, Lee. I'll come back and do whatever you like. Really? Whatever I like? Oh, oh well, I won't I won't sign up for... <laughs> Give me that fidget spinner. Oh, oh, yes, I'm getting one of those for Christmas. Santa put that in my stocking stat. Wayne Herbert, thank you very much. The pleasure's been all mine, Lee. For more information, visit our website at aidsaction.org.au. Follow us on Facebook or become an AIDS Action Council member. You know you want to. LGBTIQ health, lifestyle and community news. Check it out. It's brought to you by the AIDS Action Council. From Canberra. For everyone.